In the name of our Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. On the cover of your bulletin is an icon of the evangelist St. Luke, the human author of this gospel. And you'll notice that the icon is the picture of a winged ox. A great deal of church tradition coming out of the pictures in Revelation and the prophet Ezekiel has led to this, that we normally associate Luke with the winged ox. In his gospel, he emphasizes sacrifice and atonement. And the ox, or bull, was one of those creatures regularly used in the sacrifices in the temple. So today, October 18th, is the day we remember this evangelist and how God used him as a witness for the good news of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, by which your sins were paid for and were atoned to God. In this portion of the gospel on which we meditate today, we are shown the ongoing message that the kingdom of God is near you. It's a message that brings healing, and it's a message that brings peace. Those 72 disciples were given a special commission with particulars that were not repeated on any assignment given later. Their mission was, one, to preach that the kingdom is near, two, to heal the sick, and three, to share peace with those who would accept them. Now, in the preaching and in the healing, they were continuing the same work that Jesus had been doing up until that point. He'd been preaching all around the land of Israel, and frequently his message was accompanied by miracles, usually of healing diseases. Now these healings are always tied to the gospel that Jesus preaches. The message and the healing should not be divided. And this happens frequently, both, both ways. On the one hand are those who would subscribe to what we might call a social gospel. That is the belief that Jesus' work, or the highest work that a person can do is to proclaim freedom from physical bondage, whether literal slavery or institutional racism, sexism, classism, etc. Or to help out the homeless or any other social issue. This side wants the healing without the gospel. And on the other hand are those who can be described as being so spiritual that they're no earthly good. This side wants the gospel without the healing. Both of these are errors. Now, if you know anything about St. Luke, you might know that he was a physician. He had knowledge and expertise in the medical field, in the work of healing, and sometimes it shows in the details that he writes in his gospel. As far as we can tell, he didn't quit his work, even while helping St. Paul in his missionary work in the work of proclaiming the gospel. For St. Paul wrote to the Colossians, Luke, the dearly loved doctor, greets you. Now, I'll admit it that there is an idea that's very attractive to me, and day after day it grows more appealing. Why not just reject the world? Why can't Christians get out of this nation, this world, all of this that is so quickly going the way of its father, the devil. We should just step out and start up our own separate community. 
governed by the Bible and only the Bible. What a utopia that could be. But that's not the plan that Jesus has for us. We're not to be so spiritual that we're no earthly good. Instead, we're to be so spiritual that we are earthly good. Those 72 were sent to preach and to heal as Jesus had as his own mission. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And likewise, Jesus tells all of his disciples, all Christians, you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine in people's presence so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's evident from all this, then, that the world needs to see us so we can't go and hide away. But you already knew that because we need to share the good news. And we need to demonstrate good works. What good work? This is my command, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. St. Paul echoed this. In fact, the whole law is summed up in this one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And I submit to you that healing is what love does. St. James wrote this to the Christian community, and I want you to think about how it reflects what those 72 in our gospel lesson were doing. St. James wrote, Religion that is pure and undefiled in the sight of God the Father is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The Lutheran Fathers recognized in Scripture two different kinds of sacrifices. There's a clear distinction between these two different kinds of sacrifices. They're the sacrifices of atonement and the sacrifices of thanksgiving. That is, there are sacrifices that are done to actually obtain the remission of sins and salvation. And there are those sacrifices by which we give thanks for gifts that are already received. The Lutheran Fathers then clarified, in fact, there has been only one atoning sacrifice in the world namely Christ's death. And therefore, all the sacrifices that we give, the only religion that we can exercise is thanksgiving. And this comes from daily remembering that atoning sacrifice of Jesus. His death on the cross redeemed you, the whole person, body and spirit. You belong to Him Entirely. You were atoned by his death and his resurrection so that God sees you as perfect and holy in his Son. Such a great gift that you have received. How can you show your thanks? By daily going about your work in your many vocations, thinking about the gifts 
of family and work and home and country and food and clothing, all which you have from God. And you exercise the same love toward people, the people to whom you are responsible especially, love for their body and their spirit that God has shown to you. And you can care for those who are hungry or naked or sick or in prison. You can also provide food for their spiritual hunger, the clothing for their spiritual nakedness, the medicine for their spiritual sickness, and the freedom from their spiritual bondage. You have both that you can offer, the preaching and the healing. And that you can do because Jesus has given you the same spiritual and bodily gifts. And your help will not be always received, though, as you proclaim this message that brings peace. Whenever you enter a house, Jesus said, first say, peace be to this house. And if a peaceful person is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Your aim as Christians in this world is always to reach out to those who are lost in this world. The message that you proclaim is one of peace and one of forgiveness. It's what St. Paul described, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We desire to share that same peace with others. And Jesus wants that peace to come to all. The fact is, the sinful flesh, the devil, and the world all put up a barrier to this peace, and not just one barrier, but many. Two chapters earlier in Luke's Gospel, Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed. And this parable illustrated exactly what these 72 were going to encounter, and likewise what you and I are continually going to encounter. When we share the message of the kingdom of Jesus, the freedom that is won by his sacrifice, the devil will snatch it out of the hearts of some. For others, the trials of the world will scorch it. And for still more, the pleasures of the world will choke it. But for some, that peace rests on them. And it grows. And it flourishes. So that that message and that healing and that peace can bear even more fruit. The warning that Jesus gave these 72 is for us as well. Look, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Over and over we see proof in the scriptures that those who belong to Christ will be rejected. We will suffer. And this is all in line with the suffering of our Master, Christ. We represent Jesus before the world. We have His peace. And that's the peace that we can share with others. Jesus is in us. The devil, the world, and sinful flesh always attack Jesus. And therefore they attack us. Jesus also said, though, but be courageous, I have overcome the world. See, if anyone rejects the peace that you offer, that peace is still on you. Christ is still in you. 
It's enough to sustain you. You may notice that when these 72 were sent out, Jesus gave this instruction. Do not carry a money bag or a traveler's bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone along the way. They had no earthly possessions, and they didn't get distracted with time-consuming small talk along the way. All of this was to show others, especially those that they were reaching out to, that they were citizens of the kingdom that they were proclaiming. You've heard the phrase, you can't take it with you. Well, they were living that in their lives. They didn't need the things of this world because they had Christ. And this was teaching not only the people that they reached out to, but it was a reminder to those 72 as well. They were to be strengthened in their faith in this way. They would discover all of Jesus' words coming true. They didn't need all these provisions because Jesus would provide for them through the hospitality of those in the towns. Now this explicit command is no longer given to you and me. In fact, later in the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus would instruct his disciples, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a traveler's bag, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. But remember, even in this, and in your life now, who it is that provides for you, body and spirit. The message we still proclaim is the message that the kingdom of God is near. It's near in time. The last day is always growing closer. The times are waxing late. And it's near also in physical proximity. Jesus, the ruler and the fulfillment of this kingdom, is in the hearts of his followers. He's in their words. He's in word and sacrament, very close to you, inviting all to become citizens of his kingdom. In the current zeitgeist, there is an increasing interest in emotional experience over linear facts. Emotional experience is considered of greater value than linear facts. And we might find ourselves arguing past people more and more because we might be trying to talk about objective truth while they're talking about subjective truth, that emotional experience versus linear facts. What's important to recognize is how people perceive these things, though. How they perceive these emotional experiences because we have something, we possess it, something that transcends and applies to each and every person's emotional experience. Whatever a person's race, gender, nationality, age, or political party, that person is invited to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. That person was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Eternal life is offered to that person in the word and sacraments of Jesus. This message, this healing, and this peace is all yours because Jesus' work of atonement was all for you. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.